Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, and uh, we are very close to the Kansas City Chiefs making a selection in the NFL Draft 16 days away, fellas. It'll be 15 when it launches. I'm joined uh, by Craig and Matt already. Maddie. What's going on, my man? I enjoy how I'm always the first one you go to after the intro to figure out how we're doing. It makes me feel important because everybody likes Craig more than the both of us. We know that's a fact. <laughs> but the fact that you come true. to me first boosts me up just enough to finish this entire podcast. We are not doing this. No. We are not <laughs> oh. doing this. No. Not yes, we are. We're not doing this. This is happening. This uh. is happening. I Here's the thing. Like, There's just been such a natural rhythm to it. Like... I've I talked to Maddie. Maddie always passes it to Craig. Like it's, it's just true. it's working. So it's I just didn't want to screw up what what we've got going here. That's all. I mean, really, I need the boost of confidence. Like I said, we all know everybody likes Craig. He does a no, lot of stuff. No, he intimidates no. me. He grows his own farms. He grows his own food. He probably has cattle. He gets his own meat and whatnot. He builds his own cars from scratch. Like he actively builds them from scratch. He starts with nothing. He just creates car parts and scrap metal. <laughs> by snapping his fingers so he does all this he intimidates me i need that boost from kent passing it to me first or i would just shut down he melts I, down scrap metal and makes his own car parts I, you know it, this went from me being old to me just being a wizard now like i mean you and gandalf are the same age can we start calling you hey. craig the white Craig the White. Oh. I mean, I am the whitest person alive. So maybe, yep. yeah. That's that's true. It's uh, true. Should, should we should we start talking about football things? Yes, let's do it <laughs> earlier this week than last week. <laughs> I'm not sure anyone really cares about Craig's ability to weld and and forge conjure conjure up conjure. Metal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to write a book someday, Craig. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be called what? Uh, with I a don't couple know. other people. Uh, it's called the Casey Draft Guide. It's available at co slash Casey Draft. Uh, bring it in. <laughs> give us five star reviews. It's 287 pages long, full of over 220 different prospects, features, mock drafts everything like that go get it everybody seems to be enjoying it it's great and with that said craig is now also the best at transitions and hosting a podcast just another thing to chalk up on the board all right guys well i'm gonna leave you here you all have it now um i it was nice knowing you thank you for for you know letting me be part of this uh nice knowing you best of luck Uh, (laughs) that was phenomenal craig uh Speaking of five star reviews, thank you for mentioning that. I, we have to we we need uh, we need more five star reviews apparently on the uh, on the on the Arrowhead Pride page. SB Nation tells us that's a good thing, so please go ahead and do that. All right, let's talk about football because three and a half minutes into this podcast, we have not talked about football. So we have we have some semi news here. Jeremiah Ateochu has you. signed with, huh? <laughs> Bless, bless you. you. God bless you. Oh, good one. He actually changed his name to Jerry Ateochu. God bless so, you. So uh, I, I found <laughs> I found that interesting. Um, let's, I just want to start here because you know he he he's he was drafted in like last five years. What did you guys think about him coming out of the draft? I I thought he was a good player. Uh, had a little bit of burst, a little bit of ability to get up the arc. He's flexible. He's already the most flexible player on the Chiefs roster that can rush the passer. So mm. he he's a guy that was 
intriguing. He's a mid-round guy that needed some work, but he was, I mean, he was what, like a third-team All-American or something like that coming out of Georgia Tech. I I liked him well enough, and I thought that he did some good things in San Diego, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy since then. Yeah, his first season getting playing time there with the Chargers, he was pretty good. You know, he was filling in for some injured players, and he had some good reps out there, but he was just never never able to chain anything together. Injuries derailed him. I think he's highly inconsistent as a player. So I'm not sure it's much more than a depth move at this point in time. He didn't really perform that well for the Jets when he was able to play last year. He didn't stick with the 49ers. He's an interesting player, super athletic guy compared to especially what the Chiefs already have on the roster. So he's just a different type of player than what they already have. But he's just a guy that I want to see get out there and play. And for his sake, I hope he can stay healthy just to see what else he still has. Yeah, he had six six sacks his first season with the Chargers. And Aaron Borgman, our uh, resident injury expert over at Arrowhead Pride, he said he's missed 16 games in his tenure here in the NFL. So it is a guy that has struggled to stay healthy. Um, and But this is... He had to. He still came away with two sacks last year, and you know the Chiefs keep just piling together guys that have a little bit of rush ability, a little bit, a little bit of pass rush productivity. They just keep trying to piece this thing together. He might just be a potential rush, Sam. Maddie? I mean, so when we're looking at him and his just general player profile at this point in time, he does fall on a little bit of the lighter side of what we have seen from Spagnola's defensive ends in the past. We talked about it in the draft guide. There's a whole big long feature article in there about what the Chiefs are looking for, what they've looked for historically, guys they may be targeting in this draft. So it's how Chu, however Kent was saying it, this is well beyond my capabilities. God bless you. And um, so with that being said, he's a little short of some of the metrics there that seem to be the typical Spags defensive end. But he has some rush ability. He's kind of played a stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker most of his career since he's got out of college. He has some ability to play in space, to cover a little bit. He's not the most fluid off-ball linebacker. He's not a guy that's going to confuse you with super high instincts and high off-ball linebacker IQ. But he has the ability to play out there. He can see what's in front of him and has the athleticism to move around. And then has the ability to rush the passer. It's a fifth pass rusher coming off of a kind of blitz off the edge or even on the inside. He's a guy that has some juice. That's the most interesting spot to me for him. That's where I expect him to play. Maybe in a rotation with Damian Wilson, just to have a little bit different styles of play with Wilson being a little bit more traditional as an off-ball linebacker. Maybe you kick Jerry down into a defensive end, let him rush on third downs, move Speaks or Ogba inside or something. But I don't know if he's going to be a full-time defensive end or even only play defensive end for the Chiefs. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he makes some sense as a depth, Sam. I don't think that he's – I mean, he, I think he could potentially push Damian Wilson to, you know, for that starting spot, but that's not really saying a whole lot. I, he can't – Jerry can't cover. I, that's the thing. He does. He wasn't really asked to cover in college. He hasn't been asked to cover often in the pros, and when he does, you find out why he's not really been asked to cover. <laughs> he's just not a very – Fluid guy, he doesn't understand, you know, routes particularly well. So tasking him or putting him in that spot where you may force him to be in coverage a little more isn't isn't great. Even if it's just against a second tight end or a fullback or something like that, that's just not going to be great. So yeah, I look for him as an extra pass rusher, third down, you know, sub package pass rusher off the edge on third and long situations. I think you can get some productivity out of that. There's a spot for him on this roster because. They need that. And then his ability to maybe flex in as the Sam if, you know, Damian Wilson gets hurt or something like that. Or maybe he's just a camp body if the Chiefs find some uh, some rookie Sam that they like a little better than him. Yeah, I'll be fascinated to see what his role is and if he's able to stick on this roster. I really want to see his contract. Mm -hmm. Just kind of get an idea of this is closer to what they signed Blake Bell for. Uh, which I'm assuming is basically a a camp invite kind of rock, you know, kind of you know deal like that. So um, I'm I'm curious to see if any figures come out. I don't think he's counting on the compensatory formula, fellows. So <laughs> great news for us, right, Maddie? I mean, I you know, th- very important. The Chiefs might wind up with a fourth round pick for Steven Nelson, and that could be the best thing that he's done for this franchise. I mean, according to him, he shut down multiple wide receivers last year, and he was going to get a huge payday is what he was telling us. So we will leave it at yep. that. 
Yeah, I I probably shouldn't have gone that, down that road, but I'm feeling a little little feisty today. He's two gonna, weeks away from the draft. He's going to hit you, know? you up on Facebook sometime in the very near future and let you know all oh, about how wrong you are. This is happening. I'm not even sure I hate it if it does. I'm kind of here for it, honestly. <laughs> so one thing we want to try to, you know, we've tried to do a couple times over, you know, the off season. We're going to do it today. And we might do it, you know, in the next couple weeks too, is we want to mock the mock. Uh, we, we take a mock draft. We look at what some someone has done and kind of analyze it. We're not necessarily mocking it. It's more just a catchy name, you know, because me and puns and all that kind of stuff. So uh, just wanted to take a look at what Todd McShay put out uh, today, actually. Came away with uh, a four, kind of a four-player mock for the Chiefs. I think he did the first three rounds of the draft, which would make sense why there's four picks here. So he actually gave some explanations of each pick. And uh, we're going to just go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, at pick 29, he went with Garrett Bradbury, someone else, connecting the Chiefs to Garrett Bad Bradbury, an interior offensive lineman. It's going to sound like we hate Garrett Bradbury, and it, we really don't. And we don't. every week we talk about Garrett Bradbury, it feels like we're just like, we hate the player. And it's it, we don't. Uh, here's what McShay had to say, and I'll pass it on to Maddie. Uh, he says, Bradbury is arguably the most NFL-ready offensive lineman in the draft with great agility and awareness. Totally agree. Mitch Morse is in Buffalo now, and Cameron Irving has been pretty disappointing. So the O-line needs a difference maker. Maddie, how you feeling about Garrett Bradbury at 29 again? What in the world is an offensive center difference maker? I mean, <laughs> let's talk about that for a second. Mitch Morse, when healthy, is about as good of an offensive center there is in the league. Was he ever a difference maker? Was there ever like a point in time where Mitch Morse won the Chiefs a game? Like, you look at Austin Ryder, who yet again gets completely skipped over by somebody in the national media, and I don't think Ryder's great. He's not as good as Mitch Morse. He's a solid player when he was on the field last year for the Chiefs, but I don't understand why he gets passed over every single time, ignoring his good performance when he was able to play last year, and we're talking about getting a difference maker at offensive center? Like, that just doesn't exist. It's an interior offensive line spot. I know that some people kind of feel like you can get great players that make a huge difference there. Unless I'm getting Quentin Nelson, and I've talked about this before, even then, I think you'd have been better off drafting a more impactful position than Quentin Nelson. But unless I'm getting that caliber of a player, I don't see the point to an interior offensive lineman in the first round. I just don't think that's where you find the best value, especially when you have other guys that can play well already in the position. If you have guys that are massive holes that literally cannot get on the field and perform their job even at an average rate, then yeah, sure, you can spend the first round pick and sell it to me on the interior offensive line. But to go ahead and send Andrew Wiley or LDT or Austin Ryder to the bench to use a first round pick on a center, I just don't get it. I don't think it's something the Chiefs are going to do based on the history of Andy Reid and drafting offensive centers. And again, the Chiefs have invested money, draft picks, more money, in the interior offensive line already, it seems like a weird move to go put a first-round pick into offensive center or just at the offensive guard position super early in the draft, man. Yeah, and it makes sense to me from the standpoint of you want to protect your best investment. And I get that. And I get why everybody wants to make that correlation. Mitch Morse has moved on. A lot of people don't know about Austin Ryder. And you want Patrick Mahomes to stay upright. Well, here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes did a pretty damn good job of staying upright last year with Austin Ryder and Cam Irving and Andrew Wiley and a bunch of guys on the interior that the Chiefs have in there and are able to do that. Bradbury is a really great player. Some team is going to take him that doesn't have the kind of depth on an offensive line that literally needs a center because they don't have anybody there. And he's going to be able to walk in and play at a really high level for a long, long time. He's a good, good player. But especially in this draft, there are guys later in the draft that the Chiefs really want to address interior offensive line that will have about the same amount of impact that Garrett Bradbury would at pick 29. Chris Lindstrom, Connor McGovern. You've got guys that can play left guard and like Michael Dieter that are a little bit later. Those types of guys are going to make the same amount of impact that Garrett Bradbury can at pick 29. I just don't think that that's a good Yeah, God value forbid that Patrick Mahomes has Chiefs to create outside the pocket a little bit more too. 
Like, I mean, I think like, obviously you want to protect Patrick Mahomes and you want to make sure that he avoids big hits. But I think he, I, I totally agree, Craig. I think he did a really good job over, you know, the course of a season with a guy like Austin Ryder and, and Cameron Irving and guys on the interior that they just, they don't have, they didn't spend a lot of resources trying to, to, to cobble that together. And I think that that's a place where they can save money. They can save capital, draft capital money. And, and I think you're going to be just fine. The reason that the chiefs, uh, you know, you know, lost in Foxborough, I don't know if it was because they didn't have, a stud center necessarily. I mean, obviously they did some great stuff with their, with their, with their rush plan and they got some pressure up the middle and they just, I mean, they, they pressured him well, but like Pat figured it out and scored 31 points, you know? Um, and I don't know if it was because the offensive line was bad necessarily, uh, or the interior was just, just God awful, you know? Was there a difference between the Pats games or any games with Ryder and Mitch Morrison there? I mean, like, was there an, a visual difference to anybody? Because Pat still escapes the pocket outside of any side of pressure. Correct. He doesn't, I mean, he will get better at this, but he's not a guy that's going to stand and slide up deep into the pocket and get right up on the center to throw to throw the ball. He's not going to do that. He's athletic enough and can throw the ball on the run that he's getting out of the pocket when there's pressure. You don't need to create this perfect, you know, picture perfect pocket for him to step up into at all the time. And again, it's not like Austin Ryder was struggling infinitely more than Mitch Morse or Garrett Bradbury would when they get into the, the NFL. Teams don't. Oh, let's go. Sorry. I mean, the only, yeah, the only, the only one, the only game that really sticks out in my mind was Austin Ryder against Aaron Donald, <laughs> and Aaron Donald does that. To and everybody. how many points did the so Chiefs score I, that game? <laughs> I know, I know, but they, they gave did up, give up they, two yeah, strip sacks. I, I, I mean, there that is something you can point to, but. Honestly, that's it. That's the yeah. only one. It's 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 a it's a hard line to kind of navigate. And defensive coordinators have said they hate Patrick Mahomes out of the pocket too. They hate him when yep. he's creating out of structure. So like, I mean, I don't know. It's a weird it's a weird thing to navigate. Um okay, so the the Chiefs went with Miles Sanders, the running back out of Penn State, uh at pick 61 per Mayock. And I like Miles Sanders as a running back a lot and he tested exceptionally well. I think he can do a lot of different things. I think he has third down ability. I just I'm not on the bandwagon for investing in running back at 61. I'm not really sure I'm invested I'm I'm interested in investing in running back until maybe round 5 and even then like I, I I don't know. There's enough other things that the Chiefs can address in this draft, and maybe there's an undrafted free agent running back that they bring into camp that they can give them the same value that they can get in round five. Yeah, I, and we're we're now here to the point where you've made two offensive picks in your first two picks of the draft. The offense is fine. The offense is going to be able to move the ball just fine with Austin Ryder and a combination of Damian Williams, Daryl the Barrel Woo. Williams, and Carlos Hyde. They'll be able to move the ball well enough with that. What you really need is more dogs on the side of the defense. And Miles Sanders is a guy that we all like. Like yeah. we we all watched his tape and really enjoyed him as a player it's kind of similar to Bradbury where we agree that this guy is a really good football player and he's going to be really good for a team it just second round running back when you've got these other guys similar to the center position that can play at a good enough level to get you by on offense and they did last year at the end of the year get by plenty well enough on offense with those guys in the playoffs and it was the defense that let them down. They've got to add more to the defense. So, yeah, I, I don't like this pick particularly well either. Yeah, to me, this pick's even more perplexing than the first-round pick, not only because I think running back's an even less valuable position than offensive center, but you've already invested a pick in the offense. You already took an offensive player for the best offense in the league while you still have the worst defense in the league that happened to lose some players. They brought some in, but they also lost players. So you're still just stacking and stacking on the offense 
when you had good running backs, Damian Williams, when he took over last year, was a good player. He wasn't just good enough. He wasn't okay. He couldn't just succeed. He was a good player. Carlos Hyde has had good years in his past when he the closest system he's been to to what the Chiefs are kind of running right now in San Francisco in terms of you know zone running, get some outside zone action going on. He was a very good player. So you already have these guys that have been good running backs in the NFL, and you're trying to spend a second round pick to maybe improve on them. You're just creating like a four-headed running back monster that you're going to cycle them in for whatever the 20 carries that we're going to run the ball game unless we have a big lead. It just seems like a terrible misuse of resources for back-to-back picks for a team that needs a ton of defensive help and like the priorities in terms of the positions that you're going for, whether it's best player available or just positions in need. You just seem like you're completely missing all of it when you have to factor in the fact that positional value matters for a best player available. You can't just draft the blanket best player available at any point in time. you got to factor in the team around them, how they work within the team. Running back, interior offensive line are very low on that list. The fact that Miles Sanders and then Garrett Bradby would be your back-to-back best players available just seems to ignore everything that's going to make the team better in this next season. Yeah, and he actually goes on to explain kind of why he went with the approach he did. He said he was prepared for the question. He said, I would like to get a corner, but the opportunity just wasn't there. It wasn't worth reaching as far as I would like to. So I just, he, I'd look to stock up on secondary in the later rounds. I don't dis, I don't agree with that. I, I, that those are trade back situations to me, but uh, so he finally addresses defense at pick 63. (laughs) This, this is, it's it's interesting. He goes with Ja'Kai Polite. (laughs) The outside linebacker from Florida, he says on a defense, taking a gamble with Polite could pay off. He has fallen quite a bit in the past few months, but he has burst off the edge. He does. He, he, Ja'Kai Polite has good pass rusher tape. However, and I'm sure Matt can expound on this, he doesn't really fit a lot of Spag's criteria. And... He's a guy that has questions about his football character, about his work ethic. If we've learned anything this offseason, it's that Steve Spagnuolo wants power on the field, and he wants guys that have an attitude and a work ethic of not quitting, not giving up, not, you know, not giving in when there's a you know a bad play or something like that. That's what he's brought in so far this year. He's trying to toughen up this team. I don't know that Ja'Kai Polite is that guy. While I like him as a pass rusher, I honestly think that this might even be a little early for him based on some of the character concerns that teams have had so far. I would be surprised if he's even on the Chiefs board in day two. So I I think that this is a horrendously risky pick, and I'm not a fan of it either. Yeah, so I love Ja'Kai Polite's tape. I think he has the best edge rusher tape next to Bosa in terms of just purely on the field. When you watch him play, I see burst. I see a guy that can bend, has a ton of pass rush moves. He knows how to react when tackles set certain ways against him. His film is great as a pass rusher. His draft, like offseason leading up to the draft, has been equally as disappointing as his tape is good. He had a chance to completely rebound in his pro day, you know, talk his way out of the hole he put himself in, show up in shape, attempted to test well, look like he knew what he was doing, and he still came back with the same injury excuse. And I'm not going to say it's a complete lie. Maybe his hamstring is bothering him, but that doesn't affect the fact that he looks like he has about 20 pounds of bad weight on him at this point in time. And even with these 20 pounds of bad weight, he still looks ill-prepared to do his drills. He still seems ill-prepared in interviews. And even worse, with this added weight, that still means he failed all three of the metrics that Spags has looked for in the past as defensive ends. He's not big enough. He's not long enough. He's not tall enough. doesn't weigh enough. He misses everything, and that's with carrying bad weight. If the Chiefs drafted him, it would just be a complete outlier, like we talked about last week with Chase Winovich. The difference is Chase Winovich at least has an extremely high football character. That would make more sense for the type of player or personal personality that they've been adding than Ja'Kai Polite would. Now, if the Chiefs draft Ja'Kai Polite on day three, maybe even round three, I can talk myself into being excited for the potential if everything clicks. 
But using the first defensive pick in this draft on this guy that has a very high bust rate from everything we've heard right now, it just seems wildly irresponsible to be the only defensive player that we've seen added through two rounds. Yeah, I I, I don't know what to make of these first three picks. Like it just it doesn't seem like he, they've really helped the Chiefs move the needle very much at all. You know, and like I think that's kind of where I'm just struggling. And then they go to uh, pick ninety two. They take Andy Isabella, the probably relegated to the slot receiver from UMass, saying the UMass burner can flat out fly. And the crazy thing with Andy Isabella is that he doesn't even he doesn't profile very well as a slot receiver in terms of how he plays. His tape does not say slot receiver. It's just his size and his like physical makeup that does. His hard breaks are long. They're long. And we saw at the senior bowl, he makes four or five cuts and steps to make what could be a one or two step hard cut. He's a guy that looks better on the outside using his speed as a vertical threat, but just you don't know if his size is going to allow him to play out there in the NFL. So I think there's a little bit more of a projection to Andy Isabella's game than some people do. So this seems to be about the right value for him. If the Chiefs added Andy Isabella in a vacuum in round three, I feel pretty good about that. I think there's a high ceiling there with him if you can get him to work off the line of scrimmage, get off press coverage. Maybe you can teach him how to be a slot receiver at the NFL, and he's got the physical traits to succeed. But when you consider the rest of this draft, what have you accomplished at this point in time? Like, you just have not made this team better in any particular way. And I get it. You don't want to reach for a corner at any point in time. But how about any position of need up until this point? Like, this is the first, like you drafted an edge player in Ja'Kai Polite that doesn't fit the mold of the Chiefs' defense that's the only player that's really addressing any of the Chiefs' biggest needs right now. There's no way that every single safety, defensive end, interior defensive lineman, and so on have been a complete reach like that is claimed about the cornerback. So I just I don't get this draft. It doesn't seem like there's much of a picture in mind. There's no real method or way to make the team better at the end of this draft. It's just adding a bunch of random talent to a team that already has talent at these positions. So I want to – oh, sorry. Yeah. Go, go, Craig. Yeah, go ahead. No, you uh, – I just – he – he is fast. He can fly, and he would add an element to this defense that would be a positive thing. But Andy, the body catcher, Isabella, <laughs> is a guy that when we saw at the Senior Bowl, he just he wasn't like Florida's impressive. And if you're trying to add a wide receiver early, you're trying to add a guy that can transition to the boundary and be able to replace a Tyree Kill, or a Sammy Watkins if you don't want to continue to pay them like a top receiver. Andy Isabella is just going to be a slot guy. He he doesn't make a ton of sense, and I get maybe the score 100 Woo. theme throughout this, but the problem is you're not really getting significantly better at any of the three positions that you're adding on offense right, right now. I just don't think that – maybe you now score 60. Like, <laughs> it's a score 60 draft, not a score yeah. 100 draft. And, yeah, it, take a corner at 29. If there's a corner at 29 in this, I have a lot different view I, I kind of actually okay. want to just let's remock this because every time we've mocked the mock, we've remocked. Yeah. Um, I didn't, yeah, I mm, there's I have a lot of. I'm just gonna go to this. Let's just do this. So the available players, we'll just we'll just take three highly rated players. Jerry Tillery uh, was available at 29. Chauncey Gardner Johnson was available at 29. Let's just relegate it to those two. Let's say let's say we take let's say the Chiefs go ahead and take uh let's let's give them Chauncey Gardner Johnson. How about that? Yeah. Fine? Or I'm, would you I'm or fine Tillery. With would you rather go Tillery or Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Maddie? I would lean towards Tillery just because the investment they've already okay. put in safety. Okay. So we're gonna go with Jerry Tillery. That's fine. And actually Jerry Tillery, I believe, is the highest rated player in the KC draft guide. Uh, shameless plug. So let's move on to 61 and 63. You've got Scary Terry McLaurin, Zach Allen, Amani Hooker, Trayvon Mullen, all still available. Amani Oruwariye is still available. So why don't we give him... Let's give him Amani Oruwariye. And let's give him Zach Allen or Amani Hooker, Craig. Let's go with okay. Hooker. So we've got Tillery, Amani Oruwariye, and Amani Hooker. 
Okay. Let's... We still don't have any edges, but... Okay. And then at 92, let's... Okay. Kelvin Harmon's still available at 92. So let's just go ahead and take Kelvin Harmon. How about that? Right. That's fine. And I think if the draft went that way through the first three picks, I think Andy Isabella pick becomes a lot better. Like, it makes a lot more sense if you're taking Andy Isabella there in the term of trying to score more points, giving yourself somebody that maybe develops into a wide receiver that can take over for Watkins or for Tyreek Hill in the future. It's just with the way the draft went before that, Isabella was not the best move. And I would take take Calvin Harmon just over Andy Isabella 10 times out of 10. Yeah, absolutely. Harmon's not. No, I well, I who knows? Because Todd McShay's connected. Who knows? And I I supposedly he had Jalen Ferguson going (laughs) forty three, which scares me so much. Everybody has Jalen Ferguson still going in the second round, Kent. You just have to accept it. And he one (laughs) hundred percent is a the Chiefs type in terms of his personality, in terms of his physical makeup. He's still going in round two or three. Uh, If they take him at twenty nine, I'm I'm going to quit. They're not going to take him in 20. No, I don't think they'll take him that early. But round two, fair game. Okay, we're going to stop and take a break, and we will be back with some mailbag questions right after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's close this thing out with a mailbag, and we'll just jump right into it. Sampy2006 asks, on a scale of 1 to 10, how glad are you that we to be finished with the draft guide? Uh, 11,000 and a half. Uh, I, I was talking to these guys earlier. Like, I, I think my like my natural rhythm of life is just thrown off because like I feel like I should be doing something like all the time now. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah, I'm not quite as burnt out as you guys like we talked about a little bit last week. I didn't have to help with some of the editing process down the road because I'm very computer illiterate. So, I mean, like, I'm happy <laughs> to be done. But at the same time, like, I'm still watching prospects almost daily. I'm watching guys that I didn't get a chance to watch as in-depth as I wanted to before. So I'm going back through. I'm putting my own grades on these guys, adding them to my own big board that's kind of not involved with anything, just my own personal big board that I can look at. Maybe at some point in time, share parts of it. So I still am doing the same exact process as we were doing for the guide. I'm just not right making the write-ups, which is nice. It's nice not to have to spend an extra amount of time writing them up. But, you know, I feel refreshed. I got my extra week weekend off that you guys didn't Shut get. up, Maddie. Got to watch a lot of college <laughs> basketball. Got to watch Pat Mahomes throw the guns up while you guys are over there editing stuff. It was cool. I still watched it. Oh, that yeah. explains some of those airs then, huh, Kent? Uh, <laughs> Let's talk air. No, let's not. Um, yeah, no. Uh, about a th- three billion on a scale of one to ten, and it's not because I'm relieved to be done with it. It's because you guys get to see it now, and yeah. that's the best. This part is of why all people this. like Craig the most. Honestly, this I, is it I right mean, here. <laughs> you guys, the the response has been just overwhelmingly awesome for this thing, mm-hmm. and I love all of it. I love all of you for buying it. Thank you for justifying the amount of time that we have put into <laughs> this thing. This has been great, and I'm glad that you all enjoy it. Yeah, this is a very i if you you may not think so, but like it's it's a little terrifying to do this and to stick <laughs> your neck won. out there. Yeah, you know, like there is there's a little bit of like you know fear, like and I you you put every opinion you have on every single player out there and there's going to be things that we're going to get dunked on in april about like for sure like it's going to happen oh you 100% know? And, all of but, the guys yeah, that Brett Veach draft are going to be low fits according to us yeah, yeah. probably <laughs> you know and something something i mean it, it it could happen it really could so um it, it's a terrifying process but the response and and how you guys have have responded to this thing are just it it means so much yes so please keep thank you giving all. us feedback you can put it in the five-star reviews you guys leave you can send it to us <laughs> on twitter 
send it to us however you want, but give us feedback. Good. You know, if you have any constructive yeah. criticisms, bring it our way. We are more than open to hear. Please. We are learning on the fly with you guys. So we just love hearing everything you guys have to say about it. Like I said, good, bad, let us know. We have open dialogue with you guys. We'll talk to you about anything that you have questions with, especially Kent. Hit up his DMs. He likes to respond <laughs> to those. <laughs> yeah no please yeah thank you maddie uh, i'll just i i will say read read the first page of the guide if you you know if you haven't yet and like, the 286 that follow <laughs> yeah but the first page helps kind of answer some of the questions we've foreseen and some of the feedback you guys gave us you know months ago too so uh at irish chief one asks i haven't heard ziggy Ansa as a possible signing thrown into the mix at defensive end yet going off of chief and carolina's assessment of what Spags wants from a defensive end, shameless plug, surely he fits the mold. What are your thoughts, Maddie? Yeah, so thank you for reading. And yes, he 100% fits the mold. The only thing he misses on is one secondary metric by, I mean, the smallest of amounts that you could miss it on. I mean, it's one bench press rep, and for a guy that has 35-inch arms, I think we can chalk that up to who cares. But he fits everything. <laughs> I think the issue with Ziggy Ansah is more just the injury history. I think right now teams are still worried about his shoulder. He's still coming off multiple injuries the past couple years, and that shoulder just doesn't seem to be cleared yet. I think he's waiting till he gets further along in his progress recovering before he picks a final team. So I think the Chiefs would be interested. I'm not sure anymore if they're willing to bring in another free agent, however. Craig, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, K Thompson 58 asks, what should Brett Veach be willing to give up for two years of Jalen Ramsey? I, I think anything less than a one would be silly for the Jaguars to accept. You've got a top three, arguably corner in the league, and he's on the last two years of his rookie deal. Granted, the, the second year is going to be expensive, but I think pick 29 this year is the starting point to make that happen. And oh man, that's steep. But I, I think that uh, I think that he should do it if that's the if that's where it is. I'd give up more. I'd give up. I'd give up twenty nine in the the Niners second round pick mm. next year. Mm. I think I'd I think I'd do that. Maddie, would you do that? <laughs> I think so. I think the issue is if you do that trade, if you're giving up more than just the first round pick, your plan has to pee to keep Jalen Ramsey long term. Mm-hmm. And so right. you have to work out the financials for that. But I mean, if that's the case, if I'm getting to keep Jalen Ramsey long term, oh, I'm yeah. less worried, absolutely less worried about how many years I'm left on his contract. I'm really not that worried about how much I have to pay him. You're going to pay elite players elite money. That's how the NFL works. Cornerback is a position you should do that at. So yeah, I'm fine with it if there's the plan to keep him beyond those two years. Yeah. Uh, Irish Chief One asks, with the rumors that the Seahawks are willing to trade Frank Clark for a second round pick, would you welcome the trade given how much he might command? And uh, yeah, so this is this is a I, this is a very nuanced question, honestly, because there is some background with with Frank Clark with with some kind of domestic violence issue that, I mean, by all indications, he's overcome, he's gone through, he's he's really turned himself around, which is awesome, and I, I love that, but there's still that story there, you know, and there's still, you know, th- that's another player that you're giving up an asset to acquire and then paying probably $20 million a year. So, uh, it's a it's a hard line. It's It's a difficult kind of thing to navigate there. Yeah, and for me, this kind of falls in the same line as Jalen Ramsey. By trading second-round pick form, I'm getting him for more than just this one year. Obviously, it's going to be some kind of extension. If that's all it takes, and you've vetted the off-field stuff, and that's not why Seattle's moving on from him, I'm okay with the move. He's another defensive end like Ziggy Ansah. He hits everything but one secondary metric, the exact same one, the bench press. Again, I don't think it's a huge deal. That's why it's a secondary metric. Good player, still plenty young. He could fit in the system perfectly. Second round pick gets me a guaranteed starter. I'm all about it as long as you can vet the situation enough. And not only a guaranteed starter, a, a high level starter. Yeah, yeah. I so I think if that was the actual rumor and that was a thing that was on the table, and the Chiefs weren't worried about any sort of character issues, this move would have already been done, like in a heartbeat immediately so well i so this is where i i don't know if maybe they're not worried about the character issue but maybe they can't t- 
take the PR. You know, like I think that's where it's like that's where I'm just trying to like. You mean with the current situation s- with Tyreek and everything like that? Yeah, I just I mean even then like even if like that nothing had happened with Tyreek Hill and like there was no you know uh, investigation going on mm-hmm. that news isn't out there. Mm-hmm. Are we sure that they can do that? Are they? Are we sure that you know even for you know I, I Tyreek Hill I we'll see. I, he he was trending into being a redemption story, which I was really looking forward to, and we'll see what happens with this whole thing. But are we sure that they can they could withstand the same thing that they just went through? Probably a little bit more aggressive because this isn't the first time that. I that's the question I have, and those are the things I'm thinking through. Uh, Lolit McGee asks, "You wake up and somehow you've switched bodies with Brett Veach. It's draft day. Your phone keeps blowing up. It's Clark Hunt." He keeps texting you to draft Jalen Ferguson, the NCAA sack later. Pick 29 comes. Jay Ferg's on the board. Of course he's on the board. Do you <laughs> risk your job and your self-respect or do you follow orders, Batty? See, the thing. I'm the group's biggest Jalen Ferguson fan. I think he is a solid player. I think he's going to have a solid, if not better, NFL career. He'll overcome hmm. the stiff athleticism. You know, he's not going to play every game on a wet field. Historically like, yeah, bad athleticism. Sorry, pro you correct you there. Yeah, all-time NCAA sack leader. But um, anyway, we'll continue. But... I would not draft him at 29. I would risk getting fired. And if I take a good player with what I've done with the Chiefs, I think that I would get another job, another chance at some point in time. So I'd be willing to risk that. I think 29 is a little too early for Jalen Ferguson. Yeah, I'm texting back new phone who this and making my pick. (laughs) Hook him. Hook him. New phone who this. Hook him. (laughs) Okay, cool. Hook him. Uh, (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, I, I wouldn't do it. Scott asks it seems you're convinced that brett veach will unequivocally trade from pick 29 up i'm assuming up uh counterpoint scenario he's reviewed his first draft veach has some regret feels he reached for speaks khalil mckenzie Derek naughty and commits to stand pat or trade in uh to trade and stand pat or trade in 29 so i don't think that i don't think realistically just the way that Brett Veach talks that he's a guy that really has a ton of regrets about last year's draft either. Honestly, I think he likes his process. He believes in his people. And this is one caveat I've been, I've done a lot of research on his recent press conferences. Um, cause I, I was trying to find some quotes for the draft guide for the, for the draft math article. And I just, I read through a lot of his stuff and listened to a lot of his stuff. Um, it's not just a belief in Brett Veach's ability to evaluate talent. He believes in his people he believes in his his group of scouts and so a lot of the moves he makes or the at least outward facing the way he talks about his moves is a belief in his team and his process and they i I don't think he's a guy that has regrets about that i think he'll listen to his people and i think sometimes his people and he said this in a press concert conference last year some people his people kind of talk him off the ledge a little bit and try to hold him back a little bit which is actually a good balance uh, but I think he believes in his. I believe in he. He believes in his process. He believes in his people. Uh, Boss back nine asks: uh, Should the Chiefs choose to do so with uh, one of their second picks, second round picks? I would like to see Amani Hooker and Andy Isabella, or Amani Hooker and Charles and many who drafted. Um, which one of uh, Craig? Which one of these guys? Which one of these two snares would you choose? Uh, in a vacuum here, I'm assuming that a corner was taken with round one. If Amenahue is one of the options here, and so I'm taking the second one. I love Hooker. Hooker's got really high football IQ. I think that he would be a great complement here for this defense. And then if Amenahue is on the board and the Chiefs have an opportunity to draft him at 63 after drafting a corner high. I think that that makes a lot of sense for what the Chiefs do at defensive end, and I think that that helps bolster that side of the ball. The secondary, I feel like, is in really good shape, and the pass rush is in better shape. I think that gets you an overall better team than adding Andy Isabella at 63. Matty? Yeah, I'm with Craig there. I think given the options, we can assume they took corner or maybe this is another you know interior offensive line, even defensive tackle. Either way, whatever it is, we're assuming that an edge rusher wasn't taken in the first round. I would lean towards Hooker and Omenihue. 
Hooker's an interesting fit. I'm not. I love Armani Hooker. I've talked about him a lot. I'm not 100% sure he's the best fit of the safeties in this class to be your free safety that plays in the majority of the deep coverage, but I think he has the ability to do so. Like He's smart enough to do it. I just don't know if that's his best spot. Then Aminahue's not my favorite kind of second-tier defensive end, but he has the highest upside out of those guys that fit Spag's criteria, so I'd understand why you're taking a shot on him. He's a little bit leaner than some of the other big, long, strong defensive ends at that point in time. So I like the, I like the move there with him <laughs> overtaking Andy Isabella, who just to me is not a second-round wide receiver. I, uh, Amani Hooker is one of my favorite players in this class, and I, I agree. I'm not sure he's like a perfect fit, but it's kind of one of those take good football players things. Right. I, just, I just believe in him, the player, and... He would be a great addition from a football character standpoint. From I mean, and from an athleticism standpoint, apparently, um, I I really like Hooker, and I like I like Amenahue too. I think I might have handed the highest grade out to Charles Amenahue. Uh, a Jacks of all trades asks, "What is your best guess on how the Chiefs will utilize their remaining cap space?" That's right. I do not think that they're done. I know that it doesn't seem like there's very much time and, you know, uh, Brett Veach will be the first one to remind you that uh, Khalil Mack was traded in August. So he is not going to be afraid to pursue pieces after this draft. I think that there might be a move before the draft, but if there's not, I 100% believe that Brett Veach is trading for somebody that's going to eat up some more of that cap space, and that's where the bulk of it's going to go. The draft can obviously change my mind to go with kind of what Craig said there. There might be a move after the draft, but I've kind of come back from this. I thought up until this point, I definitely thought a trade was coming. The moves they've made have kind of set the Chiefs up, though, that I think they can fulfill all like the major needs in the draft with players that you kind of expect to contribute this first year. I don't think there's going to be a desperate need after the first two rounds that they need a starter that they have to go trade for. So as of right now, before the draft, I think that money's going to be Chris Jones and then rolled over to next year, which blows my mind that I'm saying that based on stuff that I said about <laughs> Brett Veach even just a couple months ago. <laughs> But just the moves they've made have shored up enough of the team that they don't have to go get anybody anymore. Which is a weird place to be because we looked at the defensive roster like a month ago terrified. And, you know, so... Oh, I'm still terrified. Yeah, the draft still needs to go well. I know. They just don't know. have to have somebody. Like, they have right. bodies now, which they didn't before. Right, right. And I think that's kind of more of where I'm coming from. Yeah. And it, 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 I don't know what they're going to do with with the remaining cap space frankly i could see them rolling over and you know what like if they weather the storm this year and figure some things out maneuver around a little bit maybe make some moves you know closer to the season starting like i mean they could be really well positioned in 2020 like they they could be really well positioned in 2020 not to say that they should try to punt on this year or anything i think they're still gonna be good i still think they're gonna be, be able to compete but like that wave in 2020 could be bonkers. It's a good free agent cornerback class in 2020. I'm, I'm, I mean, just saying. There you, there you go. Uh, Schweb29 asks if you could interview one past or present member of the Chiefs' front office or player and get a hundred percent honest and candid response. Who would you interview, and what would you ask them? This is a great question. It is a great question, and I've been racking. I, I scrolled down, saw this. I've been racking my brain, and it's Andy Reid. I would interview Andy Reid to get one a 100% honest and candid response because we know that Andy's very good at this. Andy is very good at prepared statements. He's very good at shifting around, and you know he, he's hard to pin down and get an actual 100% honest and candid response. I'd, I'd probably ask him about Pat and his evaluation of Pat when, you know, what he saw that he liked, what what he sees that he doesn't like, maybe. That would be a good thing to get from Andy, but it would have to be something about the best player in recent Kansas City Chiefs history and his coach. 
Yeah, I would interview Jordan Lucas, the Lucas locomotive, <laughs> and we would talk the entire time about what it was like to have me and the Nerd Squad come up with his nickname and oh. how he actually felt about it. Maybe we'd get him to come on the pod. Maybe we can get him to help, you know, advertise our draft guide. And, you know, we'll go from there. But, yeah, me and Jordan Lucas, we could kick it for a while. We gave him a nickname. He's on the team still. I feel like we played a part in that. And, you know, probably him more so with his play on the field. But that's besides the point. Lucas Locomotive, <laughs> AP Laboratory, one and the same. The funny thing is it wasn't even supposed to be a nickname. It was supposed to be a hype train. Yeah. We're like, driving that's a what hype the- train. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it got I presented mean- a slightly incorrect way, but that's okay. Like, it can no, be a I know. It, but that's what it morphed into. <laughs> like people are like, I mean, we get we get the mentions. We see people talking about how do you feel about the Lucas locomotive? Choo-choo. Like it's like it's a nickname instead of a hype trade. But I mean, I, whatever. I mean, don't care. Hopefully, Love hopefully it. we can hopefully we can drive the bunting bus here. The bunting bus. Uh, that's in, the next one. We've already coined but, that one. But that's that's a hype train. It's not a nickname. Well, I think it Wookie works as both again. We might we need we need to like workshop a, a nickname for Jalen Ferguson. For me, uh, we already got it. The Ferguson Ferry. The 808. There we no. go. The Ferguson Ferry. It moves about the same the speed. It's the 808 heartbreak. It's the heartbreak kid, for short. Don't. You can't you can't steal that. You can't no. steal that. Right after WrestleMania, okay. Kent tries this move, guys. Uh, okay, so here's my answer. And this would be my for my own edification for the next two weeks so I don't lose sleep. I would ask Brett Veach what he thinks about Jalen Ferguson. Just so I could get an answer so I could be prepared, good or bad, for what the answer would be. That's that's who I would that's who I would interview and that's what I would ask him. Would what do you really think about what you you think about him or where he's going to take him? Like, isn't that more important to you than what you th- because you're going to get an honest uh evaluation. Of Jalen Ferguson, but that doesn't mean that he's not still going to take him at 29. You guys are focused That's, on the wrong okay. thing. You need to ask him what his nickname for Jalen Ferguson would be. <laughs> the Jalen Jets. Ah, uh, uh, I like it. I like uh, it. It takes a jet a long time to turn on a runway. So, And they're very efficient, like Jalen Ferguson. I they, I'm just biting my tongue about this. I, I want I want to well actually this, but I'm biting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so we started the show with Craig's a perfect human being with all these massive amount of skills and an engineer. He works on planes, and we end it with he's trying to well actually us about jets. Oh, it's not so us. I'm pretty sure gonna... it's you saying they can't turn. Okay, <laughs> that's gonna do it for this week's episode. We'll be back with the draft show. Catch you later. DM Kent, please. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.